Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. Last week, I just felt led to kind of veer off, and we begin to talk about some different ways the Lord helping. So I'm going, to re- I'm going to recap this real quickly for you. But we, we talked about what's in a name. And we talked about the labels that are given to us and how they can impact us. And we read out of First Chronicles, the fourth chapter, verses 9. We're going to read verses 9 and 10. Now, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. And enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Jabez's mother named him Jabez, and the name actually means he will cause pain. Now, we don't typically name children that way today, but it's not uncommon for, for parents to have maybe have labeled their children. And you'll you hear of parents who have told their children, well, you're never going to wind up you know, anything better than jail. You, you're, you're just nothing but trouble. And boy, if you're a parent, especially if you have young children, I would really encourage you to watch those words that you speak over your children because they can stick. And with Jabez, his mother, I don't know what happened. Maybe it was a bad birth. I don't know. Maybe it was a tough time in her life, but she named him Jabez. And basically she's saying, this boy's going to cause trouble. He's going to cause pain. But the Bible said that Jabez was honorable. And he was a man that did not want to cause pain. And, and so he turned to God to say, Lord, I need you to help me overcome this label that's been stuck on me. I, I don't want to live this. I want to live above this. And you know, the good news is I don't care what label's been stuck on, on you. You can live above it. If someone maybe has said, well, you're never going to amount to anything, you can live above that. If someone has said, you're going to be trouble, you'll you'll never have a good relationship. I don't care what label they have put on you, you don't have to settle for it. But it's amazing how how labels can stick and how people, I'm I'm thinking right now, even in the positive, I I know two guys who grew up and they had like a growth spurt and they reached their full height and weight when they were like in eighth grade. And I noticed both of these guys were extremely confident still. Everyone caught, they're not big now. Everyone caught them. But for so long, they had been, they were the man. You know, if you're bigger than everybody else in eighth and ninth grade, you're just big. You're the man. Both these guys were athletes. Both these guys remained supremely confident even later on in life. And I'm thinking probably because of how they had been labeled. And it was a positive label. Most labels that stick, unfortunately, are negative. And with Jabez, I mean, the ones we remember, if you ever notice that you can, somebody give you, you can hear 10 compliments in a day and somebody can criticize you once and you'll remember that more than anything else. And oh, social media, how about social media? You post something and you get, you get 20 likes and somebody blasts you. What do you go to bed thinking about? The person that blasted you, not, hey, 20 people liked what I had to say. This is another good reason I am not on social media, but labels given to us. The real challenge is labels we give ourselves. We talked about a young man named Mephibosheth. He was 
Um, he was lame, couldn't walk in his feet. And when he appeared before David, even though he was a prince, even though he, would, he came from royal lineage, when he appeared before David, uh, he, he said these words. He said to David, he bowed himself and he said to David, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Now for all of you dog lovers out there, in which I am one, dogs were not treated well back then. Dogs were considered a nuisance. Dogs weren't the pets that they are now. And so when, someone's, when someone calls themselves a dead dog, that's about as worthless as you can get. Dogs were not considered of great value, and now you are a dead dog? I mean, that is such a low label. And so the labels we give ourselves, to me, are the most damaging. Other people can say things. It's what we accept that's tough. My, I dropped out of college after my sophomore year, first semester of my sophomore year. And I, I dropped out of college, went down to live in clear, uh, West Palm Beach with uh, two of my fraternity brothers. And it really upset my parents that I'm dropping out of college. I'll never forget my dad. We were in the car, and my dad, he, he looked at me and said, you'll never go back to college. And, you know, but it, you know, it didn't bother me because I'm thinking to myself, nope, you don't know because I knew I would. And I actually went back to college, went to two, two years of summer school, finished on time. But the thing was, he, he said something to me. Now, I could have accepted that, but I didn't. It's the labels we accept, the negatives that we accept that are the tough ones. When someone says, well, I'm just unlovable, when I am just, um, I'm rejected, I'm less than. See, the, the challenge is, and I realize it gets real quiet, is because many of us struggle with labels that we have called ourselves. And the good news is we don't have to accept those. And I'm going to show you how in just a few minutes. So labels other people try to put on us, labels we put on ourselves, which are the most damaging. How do you see yourself? Third one is we often tend to project that other people see us as we see ourselves. Ten, the ten, 12 spies went into the land of Israel, I mean, uh, went into the promised land, and when they came back, they, they gave this report. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they spied out, saying, the land which we have gone to, to spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature, they're big. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak come from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So oftentimes is how you tend to see yourself is how you think other people see you. If you're feeling, if you're feeling negative and bad about yourself and someone looks at you wrong, you're thinking, well, they don't like me either. I, I told you I had a lady wrote me left the church one time because she said I looked at her funny. I don't even remember seeing her. Like I said, I could have had a, a, a stomach issue when she crossed my face. I could have gone. Now I'm, she, but, but here's the deal. Someone else would have gone, it's like Alan's having a stomach issue. 
but someone who thinks poorly about themselves thinks they don't like me. Still here? It's amazing how a, a crowd this large can get so quiet. But, but I know you're here because I hear your phones going off and I can hear. Oh, yes. Have mercy, Lord. Okay, so here's the deal. And, and I, I, I'll just be very honest with you. If you keep this in mind, most of the people that you deal with in life deal with some level of insecurity. Most of the people you run across in life deal with some level of insecurity. It's very rare that you meet someone that absolutely has no insecurities whatsoever. Even the people who have a lot of bluster often are hiding insecurities. And so if you keep that in mind, it becomes easier to deal with people. And then you don't take things as personally. Like when people pull out in front of you. <laughs> That's not personal. It, it really, they didn't see you come and go, there he is. I am going to pull out in front of him and slow down and make him late. But we take it so personal. And then we talk to them in the car. They can't hear us. We're talking. <laughs> what are you doing? Why, why are you in my lane? Why are you doing this? I remember I was talking one time, and it's like the Lord spoke up to my heart and said, they can't hear you. <laughs> it's like, no, you really, they can't. So no need to do it. So here's what we do. How do we alter how we see ourselves? A, find a higher truth. Jesus said this. John 8, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, here's where, here's where we start to get into it. Okay, maybe I've seen myself. Maybe people have said I'm this way. Maybe I've seen myself in, in a negative light. But what is the truth about that? You say, well, Alan, I got a bad track record, man. I mean, my track record is horrible, and I've got broken relationships. I've got, I've got messed up life. I've got all this, I got all this junk in my life. Okay, that, that might be the past, but does it have to be your future? And the answer is no, but you're going to have to find a higher truth. And so Jesus said, if you stay in my word, you abide in my word. If my word is living in you, then you're going to know the truth and the truth can make you free. Listen, if there's a truth that can make you free, there's a lie that can bring you into bondage. And what happens is most of the time we are dealing with lies that have brought us into bondage. And so we need truth that can help us be free. So that's the first one. Find God's higher truth. Identify with God's truth. Identify. That's a big word people like to use right now. How do you identify? Well, I identify with God's truth. They asked John the Baptist as he was getting started in his ministry. They sent people to him. I want you to see what John says when they came to him. Now, this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed. He said, I am not the Christ. You know, there hadn't been a prophet in Israel in about 400 years. And so when John showed up, everybody's excited. He said, I'm not the Christ. They asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. He said, are you the prophet? He said, no. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And I love how he answered. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. What John actually did was John had found a revelation in Isaiah, the 40th chapter, verse 3, he basically quoted that verse, and John said, this is who I am. 
He had a revelation of who he was. And so in other words, the higher truth we're talking about is John went to God's word and said, this is where I'm going to identify. This is where I'm going to deal. I'm going to deal with this truth. So he answered his identity with scripture. Now, if someone says, who are you? You don't have to use a scripture, but that's actually a question we have to answer for ourselves first. Who are you? And we can say, well, you know, I'm middle-aged man. I'm y- yada, I came from this. This is my background. No, what's the higher truth about who you are? You say, what do you mean what's the higher truth? And Philemon, when Paul was writing to Philemon, there's a great verse here. It says in Philemon 6, he said, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to stay with me just for a second here. Think. When you made Jesus your Lord, you said, well, this is great. I get to go to heaven when I die. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) And that's good. That's like real good. We see each other in heaven. We're going to be waving each other going, glad I'm here. You got Yeah, you're glad. Okay. But we're not there yet. So we're down here. But said that your faith actually becomes energized as you begin to acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ. What do you mean in Christ? In other words, when you made Jesus your Lord, you came into union with him. And when you came into union with him, we quote this all the time, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. A new creation. So old things have passed away, all things have become new. So we begin to acknowledge then the truth of who we are in Christ. Now I'm going to give you a good example of this. Romans, the eighth chapter. You just go to Romans 8. It's not in your notes. But if you have a Bible, I know we don't bring them anymore because it's on the screen. But I'll I'll give you an example of what you can say about yourself if you have a relationship in Christ. You can take Romans 8, 1 and 2. It there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law, the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, that's a great verse, but here's where, here's, where, here's where it hits home. Here's where you identify, where you look at that and say, thank you, Lord, there's no condemnation to me because I'm in Christ. There's no condemning sentence. I don't have to stand before you condemned because I am in Christ. And the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Sin does not dominate me. Fear does not dominate me. Death and sickness don't have to dominate me. I'm free. Say, what have have you done? You've identified. Well, then you can keep going. You can come down to to, uh, verse 14. For it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Well, if you're a child of God, you can go, thank you, Lord, I'm being led by your Spirit. So that's a higher truth. Say, well, Alan, you know, I never have been. I made a lot of bad stuff. Yes. But we're, talk, we're talking about identifying with a higher truth. We're not identifying with our past. We're not identifying with our mistakes. We're identifying with who we are in Christ. Amen. Does that make sense? Amen. And so we can keep going. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Amen. If you've been born again, how many of you could say, I am a child of the living God. Yeah. I'm a child. I'm, I'm part of the family. And God doesn't love some and not love others. God does not play favorites. Where, where every one of us is his favorite. When you go to bed tonight, look in the mirror and go, good night, favorite of God. 
Now you think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. Some of you are thinking, I bet he says that every night. <laughs> no, but I'm going to start. We're still in Romans chapter 8. How about this one? How about what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What can I say? God is for me. See, you got to make this personal. When you make it personal is when it becomes powerful. When it becomes yours. When you begin to say, well, you know, I, I, know, that, I know that's good and I know that's in there. No, that's yours. You can make it yours. You just simply say, God's for me. And if God's for me, who can be against me? He didn't even spare his own son, but gave him up for me. How shall he not with him also freely give me all things? Thank God all the wisdom I need, all the strength I need, all the help I need, all the provision I need. If he didn't withhold Jesus, he's not going to withhold anything else. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You, you, see, you see what I'm doing? What are we doing? We're identifying with the higher truth. Say, well, you know, I've, I've, I've never been a good Christian, Alan. I've just, you know, I've tried and I've struggled and I've struggled. Part of the struggle is you keep identifying with the weakness of the past instead of identifying with what God says that you are now. <laughs> and once again, I hear you breathing. I know you're there. And here's the last one. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Are we loved of God? Yes. And that means through him, through Jesus, because of our relationship with him, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You see what we're doing? What we're doing is we're going through the New Testament, especially you see this in the, the epistles, Romans, Galatians, Corinthians, and we're beginning to find out what the Bible says we are. See, this is what John the Baptist did. John the Baptist, he found in Isaiah 40, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, and, and the Lord just must have witnessed to his heart, that's you. And John the Baptist began to go, that's me. Well, see, you can take all these verses that we are in Christ and you can go, thank God this is me. I'm dead to sin and alive to God. He loves me and is for me. And if he's for me, no one can be against me. Now, I will be quite honest with you. When you first start doing this, you're gonna, it's going to seem like you're lying. <laughs> Have you ever said something and you just, <laughs> you knew it wasn't true? And you're like... <laughs> can't say it with much confidence. But if you'll stay with it, you can say it with a lot of confidence. And that kind of goes to our next point. So we're identifying with God's truth. We're identifying with calling ourselves what we are. Now listen, don't ask your feelings if this is true or not. Don't ask your feelings. You, have you ever found out that your feelings are not accurate? That sometimes you can just, you just feel like busting somebody. I just feel like busting you up. And how many of you learn, no, I'd like to keep my job. I don't want to go in jail. I'm not going to bust anybody up. I feel like it. I'm not going to do it. You can, I'm going to ram my car. They pulled up in front of me. I'm going to ram my car in the back of their car. You might have that feeling, but you don't do it. Ever have a random thought hit you when you're driving over a bridge? Just drive off the bridge. <laughs> How many of you know, wrong thought, 
stupid thought, wrong thought. And, and so we want, to, we want to stay again with, with God's thoughts and we want to understand that our feelings have nothing to do with this. So here's, here's where it gets, so here's where it, it really starts to get home. So you've seen the scriptures. Here's what we need to do is change our words. James, the third chapter, and we'll read you the part of James. This is, this is really good. James said, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Now stay with me just for a second. The tongue, which, and obviously he's not talking about just your physical tongue. He's talking about your words. Your words are compared to a bit, a rudder, and a spark. All of these are small things. But all of these can have a big impact. They can turn and burn. Put a bit in a horse's mouth, you turn a horse. A rudder, small rudder, can turn a big ship. Small fire, spark, can light a whole area on fire. We know about that. Turn and burn. Here's the thing. Our words. Our words. A lot of people look at words and go, Alan, words, are, they're, they're just small things. Well, so is a bit. Alan, words are just small things, but so is a rudder on a ship compared to a ship. Alan, words are just small things. Yeah, but so is a spark that can start a whole forest fire. Words are small things. Yeah, words are small things, but they can have a big impact. What we, what we have done is we have looked at words through the lens of our culture instead of the lens of Scripture. If we look through it through the lens of Scripture, we realize that words are not small things. Words are big things. And words can turn situations for you or words can burn situations for you. And I won't ask for a show of hands of how many people know of relationships that got burned with words. A lot of times, listen, a, a lot of marriages do not break up when people just walk in one day and go, you know, I think we're done. You think we're done? Yeah, we're done. Okay, we're done. Most, most things don't start that way. They start with words. And those words can start a fire. I never loved you. I hate you. I should have never married you. Don't tell me those words don't have an effect. They can burn down a relationship. They should never be mentioned. You want to keep a relationship intact? Don't let those kind of words come out of your mouth. I've been married, listen, I've been married long enough now where I am now an expert on my, what not to say <laughs> and what to say. And over the years, Joy and I never talked, we never talked divorce. We never talked, we're not going to make it. I think it may have come up in the 41 years, it may have come up twice. And as soon as we said it, we realized that's a mistake and we're not going to say it anymore. Why? Because words can burn down a relationship. But here's the good side. Words can turn your life. You've been going in a direction. You've been going and you, I'm not lovable. I'm just, you know, I'm just mediocre. There's nothing much to me. You can begin to turn that. 
but you're going to have to change your words. Proverbs 18.21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those that love will eat the fruit thereof. Anybody got kids? Who's got kids? Who's got little ones? Anybody got little ones here? How many of you know with little ones, what you say to them is real important? Yes. How many of you wouldn't, wouldn't think of, if I came into your house and I saw your little kid and I'll go, dear Lord, that's the ugliest child I think I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Man, what a waste of air conditioning. Don't get mad at me. I haven't said this. This is a hypothetical situation. God, I could feel the whole crowd just turn on me. It's like, I wasn't talking about your children. I said, what if I did that? Well, right there, that made you mad. Why? Because it's not right. You wouldn't let someone say that to your child. You wouldn't let a teacher say your child is hopeless and there's no hope for them and don't even bring them back here. You wouldn't put up with, would you put up with that as a parent? You go, oh, you're probably right. Praise God. Like lay hands on them in Jesus' name and pray for you. No, you wouldn't do it. Now, why do we say those kind of words about ourselves? Thank you, sister. I appreciate that. <laughs> why do we say them about ourselves? What's happened is we've gotten used to saying unkind things about ourselves and words about ourselves that are wrong. But we can turn. You say, well, what's going to turn it to do what I just talked about? What does the Bible say about it? What does it say about who we are in Christ? Not who I am in the flesh. Who I am in Christ. That new creation. Is the new creation that God made, is it flawed? Defective? Rejected? Or is it made in the likeness and image of God? With the life and nature of God in us. You see, you see, you see what I'm saying? These words sound foreign because we're not accustomed to saying them about ourselves. But yet if we said, nah, I just never can do anything right, dear Lord, I can't do anything right, I'm stupid. We don't think twice about that. And yet if we want to turn things, it needs to start right here. It needs to start here. The tongue is like a bit. It's like a rudder. It's like a little spark. We can use it for good, or we can use it for destruction. Right? So here, here's the thing. Find some scriptures. I, I, you, you could find a chapter. Find some scriptures that begin to talk about who you are, higher truth. Higher truth. Who you are in Christ, higher truth. And begin to say those about yourself. Now, there are, there are three things that will keep you out of this. First one is, if you're listening to me going, Alan, I doubt that, then you won't change. Or you get discouraged. You know, I did that for three weeks, and I still feel the same. If you get discouraged and quit, then you won't, you won't see it. Or if you just get distracted. You know, he did it for a little while. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I need, I need, I need to do that. I need to do that. I, I, think, I think what we're talking about is saying, you know what? I, 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 want to, I want to come before the Lord, and I want to stop calling what he calls good bad. 
And I want to live up to the full potential of what I have in Christ. And to do that, I'm not waiting on God. What I'm doing is I'm beginning to agree with him on what he's already said about me. Some of you in here are plagued by fear. Fear just dominates you. But the good news is it doesn't have to because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes you free from the law of sin and death. Amen. And, that, and that, that, that sin and death that's in the world, no, you've been free from that. You say, well, Alan, I don't feel free. Remember, this is not feelings activated. This is faith activated. This is where we choose to believe it before we feel it. Remember I said last week when Joy and I got married and we were standing over there near the cake and the, and the photographer said, Mrs. Clayton, would you come over here? Both of us were looking for our, my mother. <laughs> Joy had just been married to me. She wasn't accustomed to being called Mrs. Clayton. But if you call her Mrs. Clayton today, she's like, what? Why? Because over time, She's gotten used to that. Plus, her maiden name was Salamita, so I gave her a much better name. <laughs> but God's given you a much better name. You need to stop answering to stupid, to, to mediocre, to average, to poor, to sick, to broken, to afflicted, to depressed, and start answering to who you are in Christ. Well, listen. This preach is good, but where it works is when you get in your car or truck and you go home, and instead of thinking about, oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm just, oh, well, I don't know how I'm ever going. This is when you begin to say, Lord, I want to thank you that you are on my side. And if you're for me, then there's no one that can be against me. It's going to sound different. It's going to sound awkward when it comes out of your mouth. But you're not lying, and you're not, I heard people say, well, I'm, you're, going, you're trying to manipulate God. What a stupid idea to think that I could manipulate the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are not manipulating God. You're just agreeing with him. And when we agree with him, that's actually how you got saved. The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. When you agreed with God that Jesus paid the price for your sins. He died on the cross and God raised him from the dead. And when you agreed with that and said, man, I believe that. Jesus, you're my Lord. That changed everything. The Lord spoke this to my heart a little while. I wrote it back down. When I was, especially when I was dealing with, with my voice, remember at the beginning of the year, my voice went out. When I was dealing with it, and the Lord spoke to my heart at, at that Romans passage, and it said, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, the word of faith which we preach. He said, if it's not in your mouth, it's not near you. It's got to come to here. You've got to begin to talk here. Not just talk good to your kids. Talk good about you. But when you talk to your kids, don't look at them and go, dear God, I don't know what's ever going to become of you. That's where you look at your kids and go, God's got a plan for you, and it's better than anything you have ever dreamed of. And if you'll follow him, it will be an absolute blessing to you, and you'll be a blessing to other people. You see, you see what I'm saying? We change this. And then you say, and yes, and as your parent, God's got a plan for me, and it's better than anything I've ever dreamed of. And as I follow him, I'll see the fulfillment of that. Would you bow your heads with me for a second? Father, I pray for those tonight those who have dealt with such horrible labels, those 
who have dealt with such crippling fear, those who have dealt with a self-image that's so, been so tainted. And Lord, I thank you that the truth of your word can break through here and can make a difference and make a huge difference. Thank you that we can take your word. We can put it in our heart. We can put it in our mouth. And we can turn this ship. We can turn this situation. Thank you, Lord. It does not have to stay the same. Said your bowed eyes are closed. If you came this evening and said, you know, Alan, I don't have a relationship. I don't even think I have a relationship with the Lord. If I, if I do, I don't know it or I'm not sure. Or maybe you're like I was. You had a relationship at one time. You got so far away from God and you know it. He knows it and you're like, I, man, I want to come back. You, you can. We're going to pray. I'm not going to have you come to the front or stand up. But sitting in your chair watching online, this is for you. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. No one's looking around. But if that's you I'm talking to and you say, you know, Alan, I, I want to come to the Lord. I want to come back to him. Would you pray for me? Just quickly slip your hand up across this auditorium. Say, that's me. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, gotcha. Thanks. 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 Good. Wonderful. Appreciate your courage. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. I didn't see every hand, but even if you didn't lift your hand, but in your heart, you're like, boy, I need this. You can pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray with you as a church family. If you're online and watching, if you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with other people, pray it quietly. But just pray this with us. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. For those who stepped out of darkness into light and those who've come back home, we rejoice with them. We realize the possibilities for their life are unlimited in you. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.